Freedom came at a price, amen? People gave their lives, men and women gave their lives so that we have the freedom that we, as, as Ross eloquently said, we have the freedom to exercise, we get the ability to exercise that freedom this morning and any time throughout our lives. So we're thankful for that. We're also thankful for the freedom that was bought on the cross, amen? amen. That came at a price. It cost something to someone for us so that we can freely, everyone say freely, freely go to our Father. We can freely and boldly come to his throne of grace in a time of need, all because someone chose to pay the price for us. Are you thankful for that? Are you thankful? I know I'm thankful I didn't have to go to that cross because if I was like, hey, Roger, you got to go to the cross for these people, I'm going to say, well, all of them? Like, I got to, for everyone? Like, and Jesus just had that moment, and this is extra, this ain't even in my notes, so this is extra. He had that moment where he said, if this cup can pass from me, let it. But, not my will, but your will be done. Yeah, let's just praise the Lord right now. Just five-second praise break. Hallelujah. <laughs> I took, I took that from my friend, uh, Pastor John Gray. He, he likes to do praise breaks. Um, so I'm excited to be with you and to share with you just a little bit this morning on, uh, on faith. There is a, a worldwide or a United States, or however you want to say it, epidemic of Christians leaving their faith, specifically between when they graduate high school and when they enter into those college years. I was looking up all these different statistics. They were, it was crazy. Um, the most recent one was done by George Barna, who said 50% of students, no, I'm sorry, 65% of students stop attending church after high school. I did so much research. I thought I was a scholar. Um, all these different articles, one said as high as 70%. Another said 85%. The highest one I found said 90% of students. Now, there's a lot of different things that can go into that. Did, were these students attending church faithfully all the time? Did they just call themselves Christians? Did they just label themselves Christians? So there's a lot of, of unknowns that can be said about that. But there is a percentage of students that once they graduate high school, they leave their faith behind. And this article I was reading broke it down and said there's a couple different categories that we can break these students into. The first one is the, the Christian relativist. And it says they grow up in Christian homes and they regularly attend church, but over time they observe their friends and older Christians in life, saying one thing, but living another way. What do they take away from that? That Christianity is only important to people for about two hours on Sunday, and then it fades in the background the rest of their week. So then they begin to believe that my faith is based off of the relativity or the relevance of the group of people I'm around. So if I'm around a group of people that don't believe, then guess what, I'm just gonna be shy. But if I'm around a bunch of believers, yeah, I'm gonna talk and, and quote scriptures and talk about songs and worship and things like that with them. So it's based off of the relevance of people around them. The moment that happens, Christianity loses its power and vitality because true Christianity at its core is a public faith. But those students, they don't risk relationships to tell friends about Jesus or go against the grain of where everyone is headed. So that's one group. The next group is called the drifter. They too grew up in a Christian home, regularly attend church, 
but they begin to have questions and doubts about their faith. Unfortunately, though, they learn that spiritual Christians don't ask questions in church. Questions and doubts mean you have a lack of faith. They learn to swallow questions and doubts and insecurities and come to a place where they really don't believe anymore and they outgrow their childhood faith. The last group is the unconvinced or the disengaged. They too grow up in a Christian home, regularly attend church, but they begin to wrestle with questions as well. But they begin searching for answers using things like the internet and social media. Sometimes social media is not the best place to go find answers for anything. Um, <laughs> they, then they begin to have a hard time with their faith. They wonder why their faith isn't working. And someone says, oh, because you're not as spiritual as everyone else. Their feelings of frustration and isolation grow. Then they start, again, when they're looking for answers, find people that are good people, they're nice people, and, but they don't believe like I believe. So that's okay, right? Then they come to a the point, they say, you know what, I don't believe this anymore. I can still be a good person. I can still be a nice person. I don't have to have my faith. And so they begin, unconvinced now, they go public with their unbelief. They experience a crisis of faith and choose not to pretend anymore. They walk away and they begin to openly challenge parents, friends, loved ones at church, on the same social media they got answers from. And then college is their time to become their own person so they can live outside the box of Christianity. Now this is, again, this is an article someone wrote. It's really funny because then the people's comments under it, someone said, oh, you forgot about the parrot. And the guy responded like, the parrot? He said, yeah, the person that is just around church and they just quote everything they hear and they recite everything. And they're really good at reciting what they heard the pastor say, what they heard their parents say, but that's all they're doing is reciting it. And the problem is, there is no ownership that comes with all those different students. There's no ownership of their faith. And that's what we're gonna talk about, is their faith. So my charge to the graduates today is your faith is your faith. I have a three-point charge, a basketball player, three-pointer. I wasn't good at shooting them, but I like to shoot them all the time uh, when I played. So that didn't happen much either. So three-point charge. The first point, know your faith. Amen. Know your faith. The definition of faith in Webster says is complete trust or confidence in someone or something. Complete confidence or trust in someone or something. And we all know what Hebrews 11 verse 1. So if you have not gone there, turn to Hebrews 11 verse 1 or use your iPad, use your iPhone. Uh, I brought my old Bible, old school, it's falling apart. But I got there, so when you get there, say amen. amen. And if you're not there, that's fine. You can get there a little bit later, that's okay. Hebrews chapter 11 verse 1. So my Bible, King James says, now faith is the substance of things hoped for, is the evidence of things not seen. I want to read the Amplified to you. It says, now faith is the assurance, the confirmation, the title deed of the things we hope for, being proof of things we do not see, and the conviction of their reality. Faith perceiving as real fact while it is not revealed to the senses. I love that word, the title deed. 
Faith is the assurance, the confirmation, it's the title deed. So I have up here with me the title deed to one of my cars. It makes it sound like I have like a, a ton of cars. One of my cars, one of three, right? We have three, one of three. So this is the one that I really like, it's the Escalade. Um, had to buy this one from the parentals. Yeah, I actually sat at the table and we had to negotiate a price because you know where it says like everything the father owns is the son's. My dad was like, nah, we gotta pay for this. Let's, let's, we could sit down and negotiate. And I, <laughs> I say that only because my father is here with me this morning. So if you'll give it up for my dad. So if you have a problem with the way I am, you can just, you can just blame him. Um, so I have, I have the title deed to our, our Escalade. Now is this the actual car? I cannot go out there onto South Broadway and stand at the light and say, let me in. I got my blinker on, see, I'm in a car. Move, move. This is not the actual car. But what this does say is that somewhere on this planet, I have a car that belongs to me. I may not can see it right now. I can't touch it right now, but it's there. It also says things like the make and model of the car. It says the license plate number, the vehicle identification number. It says all these things about the car. Ladies and gentlemen, your faith will say all these things about you. Your faith can say all these things about what you are entitled to because of what your father and the son paid for. So your faith, it may not look like it right now, but your faith can say, you know what? I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Why? Because my faith, I got the, I got the proof right here that says I can do that. I got the proof that says that my God shall supply all my needs according to his riches and his glory. My faith can say that. It says a thousand shall fall on my side and 10,000 on my right hand, but it won't come near me. It says I can walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Your faith can have you go through the fire and come out and not smell like smoke. Why? Why is that? Because that's what faith is. It's the substance. I can feel this of the things that hope for, and it's the evidence of things that we do not see. Your faith is alive. Yes. Graduates, your faith is alive with you. And so in those times of need, your faith can go and reach and say, you know what? Your Bible says, your word says that you can have peace that surpasses all understanding. Amen. Your faith can go get that for you. But guess what? You got to know it. Know your faith. Know what it can do. Know what you can stand on. It's the title deed. Moving right along. Point number two. Own your faith. Own your faith. It should show up there on the screen. Own your faith. There it is. Shout out to Brother CC, Chris Comstock, and Stephanie for doing sound and video. Give them a hand. As we know, they, they, they could hit one button and all this just turns off. So we are thankful that they are loving people. Own your faith. Own your faith. My friend, uh, I have a friend who, who preached at the church. His name is Pastor Steve um, Furtick. He uh, has, this, has this church and he talks about, he tells this story about um, he was on a plane one time and this guy was like, hey, you're, you're that pastor that's on TV? And he's like, yeah. He's like, um... Yeah, you know, you make people like shout and respond 
And I'm just not that type of person. I really think that that's not really, you know, right of you to do that because you're making people act like they're, that's not how they normally act. And that's, I'm not one of those people. Like, I just don't respond that way. He was like, yeah, you do. He's like, well, no, I don't. I don't. That's, you know, I'm a, I'm a reserved kind of quiet person. So that's not, that's not how I worship. That's not my personality. He said, yeah, you do. There's just something. He said, I'm, I'm sorry to say this, sir, but just the things of God don't get you excited as something else on this earth may get you excited. And the guy kind of got offended, like, how dare you say that to me? You're a pastor. You're supposed to be nice and you're supposed to agree. And it's, it's my faith and I'm supposed to be comfortable about it. And he was just like, well, that's just how it is. I'm sorry, sir. A few hours later, the man, they're on this flight and the man gets an email of his Christmas bonus for the year. And he said the man got giddy and he was happy and he was like high-fiving people and talking to the flight attendant like, how are you doing this morning? Like he was just so excited. And he said he cut him that side. I'm like, mm-hmm. You're not an excited person, are you? I thought you didn't get excited. Own your faith. Own. It is yours. It is yours. A couple of y'all are catching it and saying, respond and saying amen and things like that. I tell the youth that we respond to the things of God. So sometimes when they're not responding, I just ask them, we just want to go home. We can just leave right now. I mean, they don't, they don't leave, but, um, but respond. Why? Because there is something on this planet that each of us will respond to out of our emotions, out of our physical being. Some, some of you, if, if your family member texts you right now, says, hey, my car broke down, I need some help. You would leave service, doesn't matter what was going on, you would go and try to help them. And that's nothing wrong with that. That's what God placed inside of you. But that same excitement, that same response, that's what God's looking for. He said there will come a time where, where those that worship him will worship him in spirit and in truth. And truth is all the time. It doesn't change. The truth doesn't change depending on the circumstances. The truth doesn't change depending on the day. Truth is tr true. Truth is true. That's a choked up. Okay. Own your faith. So Philippians. Philippians. Here we'll turn to Philippians chapter 2. Own your faith. So know your faith and own your faith. And guess what? I only got three points, guys. So we are more than halfway there. If my math is correct. And when you get there, say, I'm there. I got it on one place. I need to get it on the phone. Okay, here we go. So, Philippians chapter 2, verse 1. We're going to read for a little bit. Is that okay? Therefore, if there is any consolation in Christ, any comfort of love, of any fellowship of the Spirit, of any affection and mercy, fulfill my joy by being like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind. Verse 3 says, let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem others better than himself. Let each of you look out for your, not only for his own interests, but only for, but for the interests of others. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, 
who being in the form of God did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, taking on the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of men. He took ownership. And being found in appearance as man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. Verse 9 says, Therefore God also has highly exalted him and given him the name which is above every name, that at that name of Jesus every knee should bow of those in heaven and those on earth and those under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord and to the glory of God the Father. Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, not in my presence only, but how much more in absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. All of that is talking about taking ownership and the exact example that Christ took ownership of his responsibility of what he had to do so that we could freely be in a relationship with the Father. You have that ability to work out your own salvation. Does that mean that you get to pick and choose what parts of the Bible that you want to follow? That's not what it is saying, church. You do not walk out of here and say, Pastor said I can do whatever I want to because it's my salvation. I get to work it out how I want to work it out. That's not what I'm saying. But I'm saying in that relationship that develops with you and the Father, develop that relationship. I had to develop that relationship with my loving wife. We have a relationship that we are constantly working on and is getting amazing and amazing day by day in Jesus' name, right? So we are working on that. We had to learn that sometimes people don't always like when you cough in their face when you're asleep. Like that's just not normal. Or I didn't know in my sleep, I'm a cover stealer. So when I roll over, I roll over and take all the covers with me. I didn't know that. So she had to tell me, when you sleep, you steal the covers. I'm sorry. I, I guess I should try to do better. But we're working that out. <laughs> we are working that out. You have to work out. You have to take ownership. I said you have to work out. Some of y'all got scared. You have to work out your relationship with Christ, work out that salvation, understand how God speaks to you, how he wants to use you, your gifts, your talents, your abilities. Everybody in here has some gift or some ability that God wants to use for his kingdom and for his glory. Everyone in here has some gift, talent, or ability that God wants to use for his kingdom and for his glory. Guess what? It's like a treasure hunt. You get to figure it out. Guess what? If you look around you, you have family, brothers, sisters in Christ who are here to help you figure that out. Please do not let your gifts or talents go wasted. The body of Christ needs what you have. They need what you have. Before I got married, I had the opportunity to take a wonderful, wonderful couple. Um, and in this couple, they have over 50 plus years of marriage experience, over 50 plus years of ministry experience. You know, that couple is sitting in our church today. And I had the opportunity and I asked them, I said, you each get to give me one piece of relationship advice or marriage advice and one piece of ministry advice. 50 plus years. Now, if I told you that someone had that much experience in your job or in your field and they were willing to give you a piece of advice, would you take that advice? Yes. yes. So I sat across from this couple and they said, yes, we will give you that advice. So you guys want to know what that advice was? Yes. 
The only way you're gonna find out is take them out. It's Brother Walker and Miss Ann. Give them a hand. If you want to know what that advice was, if you want, I'll, give you, I'll give you a taste. The rest of it, you'll have to take them out to eat and find out. But one thing they told me, Brother Walker told me, he said, you know, there are going to be times where you wonder, Lord, did I miss it on the person I'm supposed to marry? He said, but it's okay, because there are going to be times where you feel like, how in the world did you give me such an amazing spouse because I am just awful? And he said, that is natural. That is okay. You can be patient that God is doing something, that he brought you two together, that he didn't make a mistake. And you hold on to that. And you realize that God put someone in your life that is going to bring out the best in you. And then you, in turn, get to help bring out the best in that person. And I hold on to that. Thank you, Brother Walker. I really appreciate that. Guess what? You can get all the advice for free if you just take them out to eat. Okay. <laughs> Own your faith. Last one, last point, live your faith. Live your faith. Live your faith. I don't only practice what I preach, but I preach what I practice. I'm not going to tell you anything or tell you a story about something that I just made up. I tell you something that I specifically have lived through. And that's basically really simple to live your faith is when you have an opportunity, take it. God's going to present you, this is graduates going into the next phase of your life, God's going to present you with so many opportunities. You have opportunities to either stand up for your faith or you can sit quietly. Live it out. Live it out. In high school, I played basketball, as I mentioned, not very much, but I played in practice. Man, I would put on a great show and warm up. I'm not even going to lie. Uh, because I could dunk like crazy, so people would throw me alley-oops and stuff. That's when someone throws it up, and I catch it, and I dunk it. Um, for those that are um, not sports mature. So, <laughs> but I was known as Socks. That was my nickname, because I wore socks up to my knees. <laughs> and I really like words, and they were comfortable to me. So the star point guard of the varsity team said, you always wear socks like that? And I was like, yeah, I just like them. And he was like, okay, we'll call you Socks. Everyone started calling me Socks. People I didn't even know, yo, Socks. I was like, who is that? I don't even know who that is. Hey. So felt like I was really somebody because the star point guard called me that. But I developed a reputation as the pastor's kid. That comes with some jokes, some teasing, making fun of you. But guess what? If you stick with it and your faith doesn't waver, it also came with something called some respect. And I didn't realize that to my end of my junior year, we had a new guy come on the team and we had just had a great playoff run. And so everyone was like, we need to go celebrate. You know, we're sad it ended. We were like this close to going to state. Um, But the guy was like, we need, we need to go celebrate, so we're gonna go, we're gonna go do this, that, and the other, we're gonna go to the club, and then we all gonna get, we all gonna get tats. Socks, you coming with us? And it was like the music stopped. <laughs> and everyone looked at him and was like, 
you can't do that to Sachs. He's a Christian man. He don't go do that. And it was like everybody jumped on this new kid at once. And we're like, why did you do that? Why did you tell them? He's going to be offended. We got to keep, we, you know, he prays for the whole team and, and he reads scripture over us. We can't upset him or anything. I was like, I didn't even have to defend my faith. People defended my faith for me. And so he was like, he was like, no, no socks, man. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to do that. You know, it's okay. You, hey, do you mind praying for my mom? Hey, can I get, you know, you know, my, we, we just, can you just pray for my family? And it was, and I just laughed and I was just like, yeah, sure. Of course I can. But I didn't have to do anything. I didn't have to defend my faith. Why? Because I had already been living it out through the years. Does that mean I was perfect? Absolutely not. I'm not saying Roger walked into the locker room and the light shone upon him. <laughs> And he didn't even have to dress because his clothes automatically just jumped on him. That is not what I'm saying. (laughs) But through the years, through the tests and through the trials, guess what? I lived my faith. And so it brought about a respect from my teammates. Another story. So I had that in high school. Last story in college. Um, I had a professor who's no longer at UT Tyler anymore. But he said, if you get a D in my class, it's like getting a C. If you get a B in my class, it's like give it, getting an A. I don't give out A's. If you get an A, it's because you worked for it. Yes, your butt for it. You worked your butt off for it. So I'm like, oh my gosh, this is going to be really hard. And so it was one of the hardest classes I ever took. This is the same professor that class started at 8.15. At 8.16, he locked the door. Because he said, if you're on a job, I could fire you for being late. And I was like, oh my goodness, so I was there early. And one time someone came and we had the little windows and they were like, hey, I'm here, I'm right here. And he said, class started at 8.15, looked through him at the window and turned around and went to teach and couldn't let anybody go. He's like, if anybody goes up and opens the door and lets him in, you'll get minus 10 points on your test. Sorry, bro, we'll give you the notes later. <laughs> I, gotta take, I, can't, I can't let you in. So he was that professor. So the morning of the final, we, I got up with a group of like half our class. We met at Starbucks at four that morning and we're studying. We walked into class. Everyone else is just studying, just stressing out and cramming. And I said, we need to pray just to make it today. And I said, so let's pray. So I walked up. Thank you for got that reference. So I walked over to half, the one, class, one half of the classroom. I said, I'm going to pray. And so my study group that was with me with Starbucks came. And then as people were walking in, said, y'all praying? And they all just came. <laughs> and it was like, and then people were coming in. They were like, they praying. Come here. Come. Come here. And we prayed. And the professor walked in. He said, I have never seen anyone pray <laughs> before one of my fighters. I was like, that's the only way we're going to pass. <laughs> but it was amazing to see how many people wanted prayer over their finals, which I will say, will say, as long as there are final exams, there will always be prayer in school. Amen. But when you're presented with an opportunity to exercise, to live out your faith, take it. Because guess what? It is alive. So what you're doing, you are breathing life into your faith and it stays alive. And this goes for everyone. You have opportunities take it. It's amazing how many times you can just be at a restaurant somewhere or out and about and somebody will just say something like, man, I just went to the doctor yesterday. And that's just like an open door for all Christians just to say, come pray for me. I need help. 
because I don't know what to do. Or, man, you know, finances are really tight right now. You know, I have a boss that I really just we're not seeing eye to I got a coworker. I got I have a friend in my class. I have a, whatever it is, those are open doors for you to just love on them and to show God's love. And guess what? That is what breaks down walls. That's what breaks down barriers more than standing up with the scripture and telling them what they're doing wrong in their lives. You are not called. Amen. We are not called to read everyone everything wrong they're doing in their lives. We are not the judges for their life. But I tell you, if you love them, if you show them consistently the love of God, they will want to know who is your judge. They'll want to know who is the father of your life. They'll want to know what are you doing differently. It's really funny how people use that analogy and say there's something different about you. But guess what? People will really notice that there's something different about you. And college students, people will, high school students going into college, people will really notice that there's something different about you because it's not common in today's world for people to stand up for their faith. And again, I'm not telling you to yell at people and tell them they're sinners, they're going to burn. That saves no one. Maybe it used to scare people. I know Pastor Sam told the story. Scaring people into salvation, I don't think is how God drew up the plan. <laughs> but you can love them unconditionally and watch that it will make the meanest person, it will soften their heart. The quiet person that doesn't say anything will open up to you because of the love of God and because of your faith. Amen? Amen. Let's pray.